Welcome to On Second Thought, a podcast powered by Kitro, where we go beyond the obvious. In this series, we have specialists in reserves, people building great companies, taking us beneath the surface to where the magic really happens. Stay tuned for interesting conversations. On today's podcast, we have Rakesh, Director of Sales at Kissflow. He's a key strategist in the company, leading a very dynamic, energetic, and young sales team. He also happens to be a crazy history buff and a Manchester United fan. Hi, Rakesh. Hello. Hi, Jayata. Thanks for having me here. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rakesh. Uh, so let's begin with uh, knowing a little more about you, your journey with Kissflow. Uh, so how long has it been uh, with Kissflow? It's been about six years now. Uh, so I think I joined back somewhere in 2014-ish, somewhere there, I guess. When I joined, I'm, I was the first product specialist. Right. <laughs> so now, uh, from being the first product specialist to Director of sales. Uh, it's a good journey, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like uh, about six years back, right? So, Kissflow five years back and Kissflow now. So, from a TPS to a director of sales, like how has the face of change, uh, sales changed in Kissflow? I think uh, when I joined in, we were in Wanda too, right? Okay. Uh, and from there, so now we are so advanced as a product, right? Uh, we are now a digital workplace fully. We are we have added so many dimensions to the product. Uh, so it has changed in various ways. One on the product side of it, two the size of it. When I joined, we were like what twenty-ish, somewhere mm-hmm. there in terms of the number of people in the organization itself, and most of them were from the product team in themselves. Uh, were like three people in the sales, with one being Suresh, who's the CEO himself sitting and slogging along with us uh, to now. We are such a sophisticated team, right? And we are setting benchmarks in every dimension in the SaaS industry. So I'm very happy about that. Nice. Like, uh, what is like the size of team right now from, say, three of you to? It's about 50. It's about 50 right now. And we as an organization are about 200 plus today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's been a journey. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So speaking about journey, right? And speaking about you were talking about Kissflow 1.0 to where we are today. Uh, so can you tell me about like uh, some winning strategies which you've implemented, uh, which you've been through, built with Kissflow? Um, the, I think the strategy, whether I'm implemented or not, is that uh, the way we model our sales team is that usually sales is considered to be outside the world. It's like more of a con job. You go and get a sales deal done. It's about numbers and all of that. But that's not the way we are selling as an organization, right? So uh, we have a solid philosophy behind it. We, what we do is called as a value-based selling, right? That is that uh, we try to be a problem solver, understand the customer's need, and try and solve the problem. And if your intentions and you're rightly going through that entire measure of going and solving a problem, the customer will always see the value in the product. Once he's able to see the value and connect the value, the result of a sale is just a byproduct of it. Right? Mm-hmm. So that is the real, real winning strategy behind that. That 
we tend to go and solve customer need a lot of the times you said this is not the right product for you you should go for a different product right and that is helped us to secure a customer coming back mm-hmm. after 2 years saying that you no know, i evaluated the product at that time uh, we had a different need now i have this need i am coming back to you to solve my problem mm-hmm. i think that's that's how we have been doing sales sounds very interesting uh, rakesh like what how does this happen on ground like how do the teams about adapt and like adapt to it um if you look at this idea of we say value based selling so uh, there are four cycles in terms of value based selling itself right uh, one is need assessment then you need to do value matching then you try and bring about conviction that for the prospect he feels that yes this will solve my problem and then realization this will be the four cycles right so how do you do need assessment right so this for this we use something called the bunt framework uh mm-hmm. some of them even call it ndba as well right instead yeah, of yeah so when you say bunt it's budget authority need timeline when somebody signs up to a the product any saas product it doesn't mean he's willing to buy the product is mean mm-hmm. it simply means that he's ready to evaluate the product right so how do you take this uh, curated suspects to a validated prospect is need assessment right so uh, in this in this particular exercise what we try to do is that we try to take budget need timeline and authority right so the need is the focal point that you are trying to solve what is the challenge he has and can our product solve it at the next part which is the timeline the is he very serious about this evaluation some of them might be looking at a product which can solve their challenge in let's say 2025 mm-hmm. then is just at a uh, at a very ele- very preliminary level as such right he's not going to seriously evaluate the product he's just looking for software which could help him in the future so these are not a prospect itself correct uh, then you look at uh, the other aspect which is uh, budget whatever you are proposing as a product does he have enough money to come and buy the product this is more about convergence and not about a solid line right the last and the most complex part is the authority mm-hmm. can the prospect carry the decision of purchase which is not a simple one to uh, pick up right mm-hmm. so uh, what i came up with that internally we uh, i came up with a three triangle theory so what we do is that we look at this authority through three lenses one is uh, what we call as a power reach vision uh, what is the power of the individual with relevant to the decision which is going to take right for example uh, let's say i am a sales director right and i want to buy a crm this is my department's problem and i am going to try to solve so my power in this relative to this decision making is pretty high right at the best i'm going to go to one level up to get the decision done right let's say we another organization is trying to bring something like a digital workplace or an hr suit right it's not as simple as that even though the the the, the team which could be evaluating could be the hr team but the decision is now spread among every departmental head because every department is going to use the product 
right so the power in relative to the decision making of the hr director there would be very moderate and not high right so we look at it in terms of power and reach by reach what i mean is that how much influence the person can carry in the decision making and vision is how well he can connect and what are the other implicit needs he can connect to right mm-hmm. so explicit needs are very easy you say this is my problem but when you say this is your problem that doesn't mean that it ends there there are a ton of other things which are hidden behind which you might not know that right mm-hmm. uh, and a person with a higher vision will be able to connect this this is the first lens the second lens we going to look at it is is the person who is coming to evaluation and and discoverer an influencer or a decision maker a discoverer is that there are he doesn't understand the problem he's just looking for a solution like i have been assigned a task to look at workflow problems he doesn't know what are the needs right and he's just looking at a very very meta level at that so he's a discoverer he will not be able to carry through the evaluation as such right uh, an influencer is somebody who understands the needs and he's trying to do a value matching right he says i have this problem and this product has a value which solve which could potentially solve my problem a decision maker with somebody would come and say yes this value will come and solve my problem that is the second lens and the third lens is you look at it from an from the execution perspective as such well, where you look at it as that is this person an evaluator an implementer or the sponsor right so only i am going to be part of the evaluation i am never going to implement it internally or carry through this implementation implementation doesn't mean setting up the system it's about change management internally as well so am i going to carry this through to the end that's what i meant by implementer right mm-hmm. and if i am a sponsorer as well so if you connect all these three triangles and look at the authority then you really know who the person you are talking to yeah. right and then you put the context of how the the entire evaluation is going to happen is it a, a, a hierarchical or a chain level approval that i take it to my boss and he take it to his boss for for end part of it or are you looking at some like a committee where i present it to five people and i need approval in the five people to get it across all of this you need to understand to tell whether somebody is a validated prospect or is just a curated system wow wow that was like a mini masterclass by itself prakash i must say <laughs> so this is like see we spoke about the approach and i wanted to know how you managed to convey this to your teams to you know execute it on ground right like how does that happen again the philosophy this is slightly on a very high level right so what do we do is that we break it into three parts when somebody signs up the first thing internally we do is we write something called uh, uh, a first report and fr that's how we call it it's like in you know i picked this philosophy from what the police guys do right whenever they report an incident they write yeah. an fr first thing yeah. right so we write something called an fr which talks about who the prospect is what did he claim for the product for we know they we know what the such term they use what is the landing page they use what is their title mm-hmm. what is their company uh what is potentially we know is that 
similar backgrounds you have got a lot of prospect who has signed up we, we know the pattern right so we can know we can predict what sort of a value he may seek in a product mm-hmm. like this because it's a platform it's not your uh, you know everyday run of the mill uh, predefined uh, product it's a platform mm-hmm. so you need to understand the pattern in which it happens right so mm-hmm. that's what we do in the fr and we start predict, putting out what could be his potential pitfalls like somebody signing up from eu would they need mm-hmm. we need to ask a question whether they would need a hosting in eu mm-hmm. right they may want another guarantee on gdpr compliance right so these are specific value which that prospect only needs you don't need to go and talk to this for somebody in us if somebody from a medical background in us signs up we need to talk about hipaa so mm. to understand this and dwell in a little deeper on the first one then we go and talk to our prospect we don't just give people to use the system just like that because our product is little bit of a sophisticated platform and we wanted to have a guided user experience in the platform so what we do in that is that when we go to a discovery call we try and put the bunt into work right with emphasis on need so hmm. that's why that ntda comes into play right hmm. so you put that need you put the light on the need try and understand what the problem the customer is and by by that we end of the call we write something called a pitch report what the pitch report does essentially is that it understands and documents the need uh, in terms of what is the prospect going to do what is his role in this evaluation uh what is he trying to solve as a problem what is his vision for the product what is his current ecosystem which is there and how kisco is going to interact with the ecosystem is there a, a, some of the critical success factors is looking from a product uh, and how the the critical success factor he is looking uh, can uh, be capitalized by a product and our value offerings as such right and then you map and write something called a usp unique selling point for that particular customer as such mm-hmm. and that becomes the pitch right mm-hmm. then you take it to the next level where you do a proof of concept presentation or a value proposition where you go ahead and connect the dots and show it to them and then once the pitch is been presented to our prospects the next journey starts it which is taking from the value matching to the conviction where he feels that yes this is going to solve my problem mm. right somewhere between the conviction and realization a sale will happen right <laughs> so here what we do is that we do something called impact based selling that is that mm. we don't showcase features right we showcase value so we understand mm. what is trying to solve for example most of the customers who come and most of the prospect to become our customers uh in the category which we serve as a workflow the value they seek is traceability and trackability right it's very easy to sell we we tell we have reports but that doesn't answer his question you got to actually show him how he is going to to solve it right so we build in that proof of concept beyond this this particular question will not be solved on proof of concept you need to do a dry run you need to invite users ask them to put some requests in it so that he can realistically look at okay this is how my my system will will move on right how do we measure the rate of efficiency in which it is then he can connect to the value right mm-hmm. um that is how conviction and realization happens and thereby sales are 
Wow, wow. I just have like one one last question on this model. It's very interesting. Like, you know, what do you look for when you like, you know, before you apply this model? Like, for example, a sales rep in the company, what does he look for before he applies this whole strategy in it? Um, I think the first part is that they should be willing to talk to us. <laughs> the prospects should be willing to talk to us. Of course, uh, ever since that, you know, Kislo has been one of the product which is like, uh, always on the top of the charts, right? There are always a ton of competitors who are looking to sign into the product. There are a ton of students who want to discover the product. But these are all not prospects, right? Um, and there will always be evaluators who don't want to reveal themselves, uh, right? And they, they want to do things in a very hidden way. Uh, these are all not the person you are actually going to sell anyway in a in a category and a platform and a product which we are, right? Maybe work, it will work for somebody who is going to sell an individual product, but we are a B2B organization, right? We cannot sell B2C, right? But it's, a, it's an organizational product, right? So these are something which we look for a prospect, how would you do? And the willingness to talk, in the willingness to talk, what we tend to do is that we come with an approach where we establish our credibility. We want to save their business. We want to go and increase their ROI. That is our, our only objective. A sale is an outcome of it. And SaaS is always about building relationships over a long period, right? Yeah. We're doing this because we have a very strong product and the sales, actually we are more of a, a large pre-sales team rather than a large sales team. Mm. Right? We tend to look at how we solve customers' problems. Everybody in this team is very, very technical. They can talk technology to any level as such. That's the kind of a team we're building. And that's also part of our problem-solving mentality. If you look at, if you bring people who are only at closure-minded, this will not work. So it aligns to a value-based selling where we're trying to generate and showcase the value. And thereby result, sale will happen. That's nice. It's like, you know, I guess, you know, they say, I was just reading something yesterday. It said it's all about helping a customer identity, identify their real problem. And you know, diagnosing the underlying impact, right? Yeah. It, it's more or less like the value which the team follows by. Right. I think uh, uh, if you uh, put this in a context, right? A uh, lot of them think uh, sales is about to match the following. You want this, I show this. But it is not like that. It is actually more like peeling an onion, where the customer defines one set of problems to begin with. Right, and you show enough value to peel the first layer, and then you peel the next layer, then you peel the third layer, and you go on, and you only have the onion left, right? And that in that particular situation, when you arrive, yes, absolutely no reason why not to buy the product. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Speaking about, uh, you know, while we were speaking about teams peeling the onions, and you were also mentioning about how aggressive, uh, you know, people need to be or how technical they need to be. So that brings me into a question of uh, team management, right? And about skills. Um, so it's like uh, the very famous movie Wolf of Wall Street. It, it, they say that it's business and leave your emotions out. But you know, contradicting to that, many sales leaders do talk about how important it is to be empathetic and resilient, right? So, you know, how does how does the sales team at Kissflow balance that? I love the movie, but I, I don't align myself with the philosophy of that type of selling. Uh, 
So as I already said, we are into value-based selling, which is based on spin selling as a model, right? So the, here, the, the real question is that if you try to solve a customer's problem, that should be the focus and nothing else, right? The rest of it is more of a gear change rather than... Um, so you got to be really understanding what the customer's challenge is. If you don't understand, like, for example, I asked one of the questions when I go to customer call saying that, okay, uh, you want to automate things now. I understand that, but why now? Mm. What triggered you to make it? You know, this problem has always been existing in your organization. Why now? And his answer actually tells you how serious he is about the problem and how much of an impact that problem has caused him, right? I have customers or prospects who are now our customers saying that, you know, I can't continue my business. It takes 20 days for us to process one new customer internally. Can you help me on that? And when we built the proof of concept, we did it in overnight. Uh, and uh, this is for one of the unicorns uh, called Rappi. Uh, and it changed the, the, their entire growth pattern. They started processing a new customer in for them, the customer is listing of hotels and restaurants and so on, right? So they started doing it in eight hours. Mm. 20 days to eight hours. <laughs> it changed. And it helped them to accelerate their growth. And mm. that is the real joy, not the money which we get from them. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to remember that. But everybody's going to remember that, yeah, we brought in customer like Rappi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, I also wanted to ask you about like, you know, uh, you know, managing a remote team. Mm. And uh, how do you keep your team motivated? Because as you said, I guess, the sales team really needs to buck up and run almost every day with the same energy at the same pace to get things going. How do you manage to keep them motivated? I think the, the, the irony is that everybody thinks uh, sales is a very you know, success team, it's a celebrating team and all of that. But sales is always the team which lives in failure and hopes for success. That's, the, that's how we live. right? Every day is a failure for us. The mm -hmm. day which we get a sale is the only day which we get success. Right? So, <laughs> so we are searching for a needle in a haystack. <laughs> so that is how it is. So it makes, that is why this entire sophistication which we spoke about the last 10 minutes, right? That, that all of it is to guarantee that we are in the right path. We do everything within our hand to make sure that every prospect's problem is solved. Mm -hmm. And then the result will follow. There's no question in that. And we believe in the value proposition economically as well, right? Mm. Uh, coming to the remote part of it, the sales, SaaS sales has always worked remotely, right? Our prospects are all across the globe. Uh, we talk to them on daily basis. We are the same. In a sense, we are their teammates, right? We are their assistants, their sidekicks, whatever you want to put it to. Uh, and we try to help them to get the value. In fact, whenever a product specialist is going to join a, a, no, a team, I show them three slides, right? I'm going to talk about the, the two slides. One, I show them uh, four Avengers, right? Um, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, and Black Widow, and ask them, who is a product specialist? Who do you guess? I'd let you answer that. 
<laughs> most people would look for a powerhouse like a tar or a hull right or somebody might fancy a sophisticated iron man but the reality is that you got to be a black widow you need to know when you're going to play a support role when you're going to move in the front uh, are you intelligent enough to understand the situation and play a part in your role because the product basis is all about yeah. you are going there helping your prospect who is trying to sell your product internally he is your champion you are not you know you should he, you should feel that you know he is my champion he is the go getter for you i should equip him with all of it right the second example i show them is that um if you have watched golf there will be a person who will be playing the golf and there will be another one who will be giving him the puck or mm-hmm. you know he carries his bag around and advises what puck you should use mm-hmm. right often people think that the sales person as the person who is driving you know who is hitting the, the ball it's not like that the sales person is the person yeah, next person. <laughs> he says you know what your capacity is only this much yeah. this is the problem you are facing the wind direction is this much you should only try yeah. that yeah right so yeah absolutely when we are talking to a prospect we need to understand what their capacity is right yeah. some of them will be a ball beater you need to play along with it some of them might not be like that there will be when we are dealing in a category where a business user can come and solve a problem right which no other product does mm-hmm. we are in a category where it can come and also pick it up as a workflow and do it and our product can serve both these customers right so we got to manage and understand a prospect fully to give him the right ammunition for him to take it in his organization mm-hmm. so if you ask any sales person their objective will be to make if you ask them what is the purpose of you as a product specialist you would say i want to make my prospect a superhero in his organization that's yeah. it very nice right? yeah so speaking of superpowers and everything right like uh, can i ask what is your superpower would you call yourself the black widow of the team me mm-hmm. uh, i don't know <laughs> uh, um sorry so i don't know what avenger would fit me and i don't know i but i think i'm uh i can be I, when i become a product specialist i have to be a black widow right <laughs> but i i actually see myself more like a uh i'll show you why <laughs> <laughs> you have a case on it <laughs> uh yeah that's how i see myself i have asked mm-hmm. it to match <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure the character as well <laughs> yeah so think, uh, uh, that is what it is it is about understanding the future uh, trying to predict the change i think uh if you are a leader of a yeah. dynamic team then mm-hmm. change management is not a challenge it's the way of living you got to constantly evolve as an organization mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that evolution to keep the team in the tip top form is very important and mm-hmm. constantly do that mm-hmm. so are there some strategies you follow to keep your team up and running uh, during these remote times you know I, i get it that the customers are always remote but right now even the team support to get your energy up and high is through probably a video call like this so how does that so, 
I wouldn't call it as a strategy. It's more of a tactical thing which we do, right? Uh, the my team, just the inbound team, is more like a family, right? I'm sure everybody in our uh, you know in Kislo would tell that, but these guys are always noisy, man. These guys are always you know hitting the bell when they're closing the sale or having a very long uh, you know a potluck lunch kind of a stuff every day. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we're kind of we're kind of missing that. Um, so, like for example, we have this this uh, you know ritual that every time we close a sale, we come and hit the bell, right? Yeah. And pretty much everybody in the company starts to clap when we do that, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, now we can't do that. So what we do? Uh, we have our Kisco chat, right? So whenever a sale happens, we set up a trigger, and a message pops up in the sale, and we celebrate it virtually. <laughs> so that's one thing which we do um mm-hmm. and we also understood that that sales as a as a team we tend to vent a lot because we live in so much of and it's told right we live in a failure and we expect for success so there's a lot of venting that there are a lot of things you plan which don't go well on that day mm-hmm. right so we have two meetings one is the stand up and one is the you know we call it as the vent out meeting so the stand up is where you we start of the shift you go back in you think about what you want to do and we communicate to the team as such right this happens at a shift level at a growth at a team level as such well, right and in the stand down we have a shift level meeting where everybody will come and tell what went wrong that day hmm. and it's more like a venting mechanism for them right this is one thing we do uh, every friday uh, we have this gdg right by the day 6:30 so we have our own meeting before that 4:45 to 5 that where we come and uh, we see everybody in a video call we play uh, we, we talk about what is the thing which we did this week uh, a, a tps would come and present how she or he has been successful uh, as a product specialist we have a learning session around that mm-hmm. and uh, evening at 8 to 9 we have a play night so pick a game and we play it could be wow. any game Damsharaj, Antachiri, uh, Fictionary, Mafia, and my <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. That's very nice. I guess that's also like a key thing for teams to stay motivated, right? To have a mix of, uh, you know, work and play. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's about uh, getting that pressure out. We are always in a pressure cooker situation because we are running for tra- targets, right? Yeah. And yeah. When you see people, you talk and you engage in a high communication team. Suddenly, what do you you're going to talk to your mother about? How do you do sales? That's not going to work. That's not going to absolutely. You need somebody who understands what you're talking. Right. Absolutely. Speaking of high pressure, right? One last question on uh, team management. How do you manage the pressure of numbers uh, in the team? Because uh, as we also spoke uh, earlier on the conversation, it's assumed to be a number-driven role, right? And I think uh, one of the things we clearly understood that even when I'm going and talking to my team or any of my managers talking to the team. they're not going to ask why you did not do numbers because the focus is not on the numbers the focus is on the activity right and for the individual he knows that they are very responsible if you show if you believe that they are responsible they will be responsible right 
that is why we are looking at in terms of the approach being a problem solver you it, it doesn't make sense to say you are a problem solver your approach should be solid your approach should be solid and then ask where your numbers and not on the 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 number side of it the problem is on the approach side of it and what is the direction you want to set the team towards mm mm-hmm. so Wonderful. that is something which we tend to do and the sales induction program which we have itself one of the things we do is that we are, we ask our product specialists to come and tell what they have achieved as a person and nobody and i mean nobody in the last two years have actually told i made x million dollars as a sales person they've always came back and said these are the brands i brought into this company right so you understand the value system which we have built they run on pride in terms of not on numbers of achievement it's it's more on the scale of achievement because that's how saas works you might get a big brand but and you might get hundreds of brand but they might not start big because it's saas it's not a big bang approach all the time right you mm-hmm. grow and you as per your demand you increase the value of the day right so you got to understand all of this philosophies and that's how we we linked it wow honestly i'm falling in love with the way you're leading your team and how your team is uh, right now but we're unfortunately running out of time and this brings me to the last quick two questions to you rakesh uh, one tip you would probably give the 25 year old you the 25 year old me probably mm-hmm. that's where i started in kishwa yes <laughs> so um in the beginning uh, you know i tend to run with my plan if i feel something is right uh i just go and execute that but uh, you know in the last three years i've understood that it's just not about you when you are expecting your team to run along with you not you dragging them forward so you got to say ask them to be co-creators along with you mm-hmm. and uh, i i wish i was that smart and when i was 25 but uh two habits that make you stay up in the game i'm going to start that with the game itself <laughs> so what's that everybody wants to have something to kick start their morning right uh, i don't look like somebody who would work of work not my, not my kiri uh i'm not into any beverages like coffee tea and all so every morning when i get up i play a game of chess Yeah. Wow. Very nice, but yeah, that's me, I guess. Really <laughs> <laughs> sparks me moving forward, especially when you win something. Yeah. 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 Beating a, a nine-year-old, ten-year-old Magnus last night is so. <laughs> so it's like you wake up and then you need that adrenaline in you. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, when I get up, it's everybody needs a kickstarter, right? And yeah. that's my. That's what I've been doing for a long time now. So mm-hmm. it works. It, it seriously works. In 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 days where I don't have a mood to play a chess, I have you you know right in sales you need to take a late night call. Sometimes I would sleep at three and have to give get up at, at you know morning seven to get up and take another Australian call. I would rather not play a chess at that time because I'm like hammered. <laughs> uh, then I would play something which is like a Counter Strike or something like that. But it's still Keeps a game. still a game i'm a it's very 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 vivid gamer i love gaming mhm mm-hmm. i i have been That's... playing 
That's awesome. Rakesh, thank you so much for bringing this energy into this episode. It was insightful. It was a mini masterclass. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you so much. The pleasure is always mine. Thank you so much, Rakesh. See you. Thank you.